To the listeners of this quaint Berlin podcast, I confess, I'm not much of a night owl. And yet, here we are, 7.30 on a Saturday night, preparing for what is to be my longest podcast recording as of yet. From the Viertausend Hertz headquarters in Berlin, Germany, this is Berlinology. And today, we're finding out what happens to this city when the light turns dark. Yo, Mr. Brun. Yo, what's up, bro? What's up? What's up, Greg? Uh, well, I'm just um, actually about to embark on my adventure. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, oh, shit. I'm, uh, I'm at uh, right now, but I'm actually going to walk towards Kati. Going to meet with someone okay. over there. So, to, to start stage. things off right, why is this day-loving sea beast about to disappear into Berlin's night? To be fair, I'm not entirely unfamiliar with the buzz of a long night out. I used to be 20 years of age at some stage, finding myself still awake on a random Wednesday morning, maybe discussing life in a dusky living room with one of the greasy, drugged-up chefs I used to work for. Having moved to Berlin, however, I find myself only having visited one, maybe two clubs in the time space of nearly five years. I've had my rite of passage, of course, standing in the immense black velvet queue to get into Berghain, though one glimpse on my rosy cheeks, my light blue Clarks, and the round, by no means hip spectacles, were enough to send this disillusioned Dutch boy back to his local Speti. It is clear that if Walrus is to pull this nightly stunt off, he is in need of some assistance. Yeah, and if I hear of anything, like, if I know, like, and so I'm on my way tonight. We'll be visiting familiar faces. You're like Donald Trump. I, I see a lot of Trump in myself. Familiar places. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I almost have Wait, where do we look? The, the green light? Make brand new acquaintances. My name is Misha. And what can I do for you, sir? And move my body on some traditional Berlin vibes. Vibes, vibes, vibes. Let's start things off calmly though. I'm just feeling a tad nervous about tonight and I was hoping that visiting a few locals might actually settle the excitement. You ready? I'm ready. You ready? How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? Hi, Becky. Is it on? Of course. <laughs> this is Becky, known to some as the Beckelthonian. Made my very first episode of the podcast together with this lady and I'm grabbing my first beer at the place she just started working. So tell me, tell me all about your life. <laughs> this is not how we're gonna do it. Now she doesn't need to tell me because I actually know quite a bit. This Welsh one is working part-time in gastronomy to get her through university. Now, that's not an uncommon trait in Berlin's expat community. I have worked in hospitality for more than 10 years, getting myself through college or to make up wages from part-time art jobs. And in Berlin, it gave me some solid ground under my feet in those first few years. Some time to get used to the city, to make some new friends, and of course, hanging at the bar does seem to provide you with an inebriated sense of home. 
But let's not get too serious just yet. I mean, it's still early. We've got many more encounters lined up. This is just a nudge us in the right direction. How are you going to manage 24 hours? There's like an extra hour today as well. I'm going to do 24 hours. An all-nighter. Yes, I'm going to do all-nighter. So after this delicious handcrafted Indian pale ale, this walrus is wetted and fetted, ready for a more dubious visit in the neighborhood. On my five-minute journey, however, from the Grevenstrasse to Cottbusser Tor, I'm temporarily halted by a loud march of rather confident-looking individuals. It's the international Me Too movement with a local display of solidarity. And what better spot for a demonstration than Berlin's one and only epicenter of protest, Kati Wood. Now this place actually deserves a podcast series of its own, but for now we'll have to do with the staunch opinions of a rough-looking Scotsman named Ryan. Look at this. What did you say to me? Dick face. I called you dick face. Oh, good night, Ryan. You better be careful, my dog's gonna fuck you up. Christ. Well, let's see about that. I'm gonna come in. Yeah, I'm gonna come in. I got myself a Club Mate, what do you think about that? Um, I think it's interesting, you've got me a beer and you a Club Mate. I think it's uh, your journalistic integrity is in question. <laughs> it looks like you're trying to get me drunk, so I say some stuff, whereas you sit back like fucking... It's also spiked. Louis, Louis Theroux. How are you doing, sir? Good, how are you? you Look at that. This? Huh? You're recording this? Of course. This is all being recorded, sir. Opa! I like starting the evening off with this. No, no, you should keep it on. This is not the sound of Cotty. What is this? It's a band called Downtown Boys. Now Ryan knows the neighborhood quite a bit. He has been here a while and lives literally around the corner from Cotty. So Ryan, why is there so many protests around Cottbusser Tor? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's just, it's geography. It's just the fact that Cottbusser Tor is in the middle of a bunch of huge avenues. You know, so Coppice Dam is this big, wide street. Um, same with Skalitzerstrasse. Um, but also, historically, it, this neighbourhood has, has been a magnet for left-wing radicals, activists. Um, so if there's any going to, going to be any, you know, march, especially from a leftist perspective in Berlin, it makes sense to come through here. But also a lot of the marches here are are quite often specifically about something which is happening in Kreuzberg. It tends to be uh, a place being threatened with eviction or rising rents, for example. There's been a lot of marches like that recently. Um, so a lot of the, the protests are actually, you know, quite site-specific to the neighbourhood. So it makes sense it would take place here. Now on with our subject, what happens to Berlin when the light goes out? 
I'm here because Ryan is actually a bit more down with the more niche aspects of Berlin's evening theater. That looks intense. Can you explain, please, how, what you have in your hands? Well, it's it's like one of those Leatherman harnesses. So you've got like four straps that go over your chest with a, like a, a steel loop in the middle and then one on the back as well. It's, it's a popular item amongst um, homosexual gentlemen who are living a fetish or S&M lifestyle. I am neither of those things, but I, I, I played in a, in a nightclub, I DJed in a nightclub not so long ago, and there was some sort of dress code, and this was the dress code. So tell me, Leatherman, where do I need to go tonight? Okay, so Berlin's got a reputation as being a party city, but it still goes much crazier on a Friday or a Saturday than, than during the week. Especially in this neighbourhood, there's a massive change at the weekends. So much so that, as much as I love it around here, I would not really go out here on a Friday or a Saturday night. Okay, so don't go partying near Cotty. So then, where do I go? I'd rather go somewhere quieter in Neukölln, for example. Alright, I think there will be quite a bit of travelling tonight anyway. And Berlin's lubricated subway system is the way to go. It's time to say goodbye to Kreuzberg and to disappear under the ground. Our next chapter takes part in Neukölln, and I'm speaking with another one of my tour guiding compadres, Kai, who incidentally runs a very popular bar in the Schillerkeets. We're here to find out what constitutes a Berlin bar on a Berlin night. Hello, my name's Kai, uh, I own the bar called Circus Lemke, I'm one of three owners, so we run it more or less as a co-op. I have a Berlin biography, started out as a historian, then did an actor's school, started singing, worked in theatres but always needed to hang out at bars. Before long, Kai ventured to open his own joint, right in the heart of Neukölln. We started out with very little money. It looked pretty shit in the beginning here. Um, but it was okay, you know, as you said, it was about the feel. It was about, you have good music, you have, you know, interesting conversations, you have nice light, that'll be it, you know? If the chairs look like nothing, then they look like nothing. So let's make some money and develop it meanwhile. So we always had an evolutionary idea about this place. What is the, the coolest part of owning your own bar? What is the sort of the nice feature of, of having an establishment that is yours? You can decide everything. You know, you have when you work in as a barkeep, you always know how to do better. That's that's a thing that happens. You're there, have your hours alone in the nighttime. Although it's tough working nights, still it is pretty laid back. You know, once you know how it works, it always works the same. And having full control over an atmosphere or having almost like a theatrical idea about it and realizing it is quite beneficial. And Kai really does seem to have a more theatrical idea about nightlife. To him, a bar is way more than just a place to get drunk. Bars in a city can have the function of like knots in the nervous system. Um, they are about politics on a very, very basic level, social, social politics, interaction about work, not about like 
showing off, but how shit it can be. Uh, what you experience with your boss, uh, what you experience with your colleague, the, how did he treat you? Um, and you have a freedom there that you cannot have uh, anywhere else, you know? Um, and bars, of course, are more or less designed to have that freedom. I think this is the origin of the tavern. This is the origin of, of a place where alcohol is served for money, that you first can let go of yourself, of your more or less oppressed personality, but also about you can let go of you can your can let your tongue go, you can speak freely as a free person. And where people are free, they dare take risks. I mean, this is one of the most interesting parts to see. En miniature uh, interactions of uh, of humans in love, or falling in love, or getting to know each other. Um, of course, you know, if you have some fucking going on in the bathroom, you sometimes on the toilet, you have to think about what do I do? I just have this one little ladies room there, but I know it's just this one lock. So maybe give him a little time before knocking the first time. But still, something I, I learned from this great boss, saying like, if you run a bar where it's not allowed to fuck on the toilet, you're definitely in the wrong job. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Berlin. Okay, tell me what drives people into the night? What makes them stray further and further away from the light and deeper into the unknown? I think sex is, of course, a gigantic motor in the night industry. You know, everyone is looking for something. They might not know what they're looking for, but they are looking for something. Most definitely, it has a lot to do with their genitals. So, um, being in a club, you know, being on coke, being on ecstasy, on whatever, I mean, it's obvious then what you're looking for. Um, but being on booze, also very similar. You know, I'd say booze can be the more cultivated way on one side, but it can be the more disastrous way on the other side as well, you know, because you can completely lose it. I've seen it, of course, as well, working in bars, people like they completely lost it. Like, you were in such a good way on this date, but then you just had one drink, that one drink that ruined it all. Um, but I think it's always a great promise. I think Berlin in itself, the myth about Berlin and of Berlin nightlife is the, the great promise of freedom. And it includes, of course, sexual freedom as well. The great promise of freedom, that's what drives Berlin's nightlife, according to Kai. But this freedom does not just offer itself willingly. No, no, this has to be pursued, chased down and eventually firmly hold on to. And for this heroic journey, the stage must be set just right. Preferably, it's a cave-like environment, devoid from any light and equipped with a perpetual source of alcoholic beverages. Now, as much as Berlin has a reputation for almost impenetrably dark bars, it also has a taste for the hip and fashionable. I'm meeting my buddy Oli in a recently opened speakeasy called Morphine. And what better place for a hip hidden cocktail bar than one of Berlin's many Hinterhöfe? Chicken man. What is this? I've been here. I knew you would like it. <laughs> Morphine is located in the massive hall of a design shop called Industrial Design. The place is quite chilly and the crowd is wearing a winter jacket. 
A neon sign with the words don't cry attached to the fence is matching rather accurately with my personal goals for this evening. Look at me standing here like so, you know, casual and everything, just sipping a cocktail. You wish you were making a video podcast, yeah. right? I'm talking to Oliver, owner of a digital creative agency, uncrowned life guru and master of the wholesome laugh. <laughs> but before Ollie tells me what's hip and happening, let's get a more accurate sense of this bar called Morphine. Where are we actually standing? So this is a furniture shop. It's quite a shop. It's quite huge. And at some point they decided to put a bar into this, like a couple of weeks ago. I'll just to give you a picture. The bar is fenced off from the actual design store, where furniture is stacked up in huge racks that easily reach about five meters high. Now, I estimate the ceiling of the hall at around 20 to 25 meters, giving the venture its lofty atmosphere. In the middle is a bar that is operated by three gentlemen from whom I order a whiskey sour, egg whites and all. And with this sweet and sour beverage, I ask, is Berlin a trendy place? I don't know. I think like the word hip is a bit overused and I, I don't know. Do you what, want to what, come on, what is hip? Hip is I'm asking you. Oh, it's me. Hip is uh, Do I have to call you walrus now? State state of mind. A state of mind in which people feel better than other people. I don't know. There's people here who know what's going on, you know. I don't know. I don't know this is if this is the spirit of the avant-garde. It's just People seem all right, but they don't seem pretentious, I would say. Although I think a lot of them seem pretty down to earth. And um, most of all, they don't seem to be fake. So I think if you use the word hip in a like, derogative way... Which is it often used? Yeah, yeah and you, would, you would think like they're fake and they're like trying to be cooler than they are. And the people here are like really unpretentious. Are they like nice to look at and well dressed? Probably most of them. Uh, do I hate them? No, I don't. They they seem they seem alright. And to be honest, this place is pretty. I mean, it's not super warm in here. The air is not great, and it's not the most comfortable place in the world. I mean, we're standing under a, like construction, like a scaffolding, and there's not a lot of places to sit. So I don't know. I'm I'm a bit worried, like how cold it's going to be in winter because they cannot heat this place. Well, people just have to stand in their coats like they're actually doing right now. That's what they're doing, yeah. And that's, that's kind of like... It's right. And that's maybe like a thing about Berlin Lightlife. They're not, they're not really trying to make it too easy for the people, you know? Like, they're making people adapt to whatever circumstances they find. And that's... Um, I don't know. Seems to be working for everybody. Tell me, Mr. Berlin Supreme, are we standing in one of the new icons of the city? Is this where one needs to have been and seen, where one is green and clean with just the right gene for this hip little scene? I think it's a it's a it's a it's a part of Berlin that people are that it's harder to find and that people are missing a little bit because a place like this could have existed in a Berlin like 20 years ago, in like the 90s a lot easier than it does now because there's like a lack of those spaces and back then there was like a lot more like things happening that was not planned that was just improvised and this is how it feels like and um, so maybe it's a bit of like 90s Berlin in 2017 I don't know I like that
put it what, in there. What does it say over there? It's, uh, there's a neon sign that says "Don't cry." So I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of neon signs anymore because they, 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 they like tend to be overused a little bit. I don't know. You see them everywhere. Dude, I think it's very subtle here in this place. In this place, yes. But you see them everywhere these and days. And the message is nice. Because the message is not be happy. The message is don't cry. They're not telling you to be happy. They're just saying like don't cry. Yeah, but what's wrong with crying? Well, maybe not tonight. Maybe not here maybe at the not. bar. Maybe cry when you're home. But why the hell not? Yeah. Unless you're an ugly crier. Are you? I think I am. Are you an ugly crier? I think I like am. Like lots of snot? My, lots yeah, of snot. And my eyes turn very red. <laughs> you know, you have these people like, for example, Obama, when he cries. Yeah, he, he is does. this very elegant very, crier. Yeah, very sexy. Screw those people. I know. You're Screw an ugly crier? People. No, I would love to cry, but I can't because I'm an ugly crier. That's okay. Well, then you better cry at home, and then this, this sign is for you. <laughs> We have passed the magic hour, ladies and gentlemen. Midnight is upon us, and this walrus is getting misty. With a fair few drinks behind our molars, we tumble onto the rainy streets again, and as the weather is lashing our tipsy faces, we soon find refuge into one of Berlin's many karma boots. Did we already put the money in no, there? I'm gonna do that. How are we gonna do this? I'm gonna be one, over here. Okay. One right leg, <laughs> oh one right left leg. Come on, give this to me. Yes. Don't, don't put it on the floor. There oh. we go. Sit down. Sit I haven't, down. I haven't ran in a while. Sit here down. we go. It might be like a lot. This is beautiful. Oh, put it in there. There we go. There we go. Oh. oh my God. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I almost have it. Wait, what do we look? The, the green light? Hmm? Whoa, this four, is fast. Four. Okay, crazy looks. <laughs> One more. <laughs> And one more. What do we do? What do we do? I don't know, just try to look cool. Well done, guys. Get off me! It's easier for me. We have also reached the point where I'm slowly starting to doubt whether I'll actually make it to the other end of the night. For you, the lethargic podcast listener, who I dearly love and cherish, by the way, only 20 minutes have gone by, whereas I have been epically fighting off sleep for the past six hours. The inner beast is yearning to yield. 
We need a plan and we need it fast. Something to keep us going. Though I also feel it's still a bit too early for a club. Right in this moment, I receive a text from His Majesty King John Jeffrey. He's at a costume party and requests an appearance of the walrus immediately. <laughs> okay, this is it. 19. OTT? Yes. Ott. The name is Ott, not OTT. Oh, like Mel Ott. Should I ring the bell? Push it. It's the name of one of the most Amer famous American baseball players. Mel Ott. Is it? Mm -hmm. Yes, I asked <laughs> Hey, hello. Hello. How's it going? 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 We're all drunk and yeah, There's about 10 individuals here that are woozily sharing informalities in a very dimly lit living room. Hi, hi. Hey, hello, Mr. Hey, 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 hey. You did a good party? Sorry? You're gonna do a crazy party? Hey, man. <laughs> so, so what, have you done XC, yeah? Have you done your XC pills yet? Don't I look like I'm going crazy? And as I have gathered my senses and a complimentary can of beer, I drag the owner of this fine establishment to a quieter corner of the house to ask him what on earth is going on here. So it's a house party, right? So, so what, what are we celebrating here? Uh, well, it's kind of my birthday and kind of Halloween and kind of a bit of everything in between, you know? <laughs> how, how old did you come again? Uh, Zexon Svansig. <laughs> 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 And what can I do for you, sir? 
Well, we were just talking a little bit about Halloween. I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely not accustomed to that tradition because I'm from the Netherlands. I, we don't celebrate that thing over there. But apparently these two over here, they know Did a little you, bit about that. Do you them. celebrate, like you moved, to, you moved to London when you were 14. Do you celebrate Halloween? No, not really. But um, I, I like fiction. So any chance to dress up. Is most welcome. Look at me, I'm wearing a costume for no reason. <laughs> so yeah, I love Halloween. What are you dressed up to? Uh, I'm dressed up as a science fiction character. For the listeners at home, it's Big Bird. Yes. It's Big Bird from Sesame Street. He's wearing a he's wearing a huge costume. Yeah. It's hard it's hard for him to fit in the room. We cannot stare him in the eyes, yeah, you know. He's a, my face. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of. <laughs> But no, uh, in all manner of sincerity, um, <laughs> Halloween is not my holiday of choice because I don't want to invite evil spirits into my home. I already have enough shit to deal with. just like that, I leave behind Tom and Michla, Jeffrey and Shenny and Ollie and John and continue on my own for that last stretch of the night. Now before I roll into the club like the tip-top grease grinder that I am, I have one last stop to make. One last dibble-dobble into the exciting tumbler that Berlin can be. I present to you the exquisite, the eccentric, the eclectic Mr. Patrit and his mama bar. Patrit, I have been here. I've been here a number of times in this bar, and it's it's a it's a weird place. It's a fascinating place. You immediately notice that when you come in here, there is something different going on. You see people sitting here, of course. You see them everywhere, but there's something special to how this place looks. There is things on the wall. There is um, a lamp over there, which I find absolutely fascinating. Where do these things come from? How do you collect them? And and well, where does this fascination with strange objects come from? Mostly it comes from uh, my collection. I collect art, but kind of special, different art. Like It's called self-taught art, or art brut in French. And uh, that is where, where it's based. I travel a lot around the world and in different countries. I try to collect what I think is interesting or good. And then I try to bring that together. And then I like also to show parts of my collection. You know, just keep them home. I think it's important for people to see art. So that's why I bring uh, works from my collection to the, I hang them in the bar and then I change them every couple of months to different things. And also the, the music, we play a lot of African uh, world music and always, uh, always was based on my idea of uh, playing different music. Not playing what other bars play that kind of music, whatever it is, just different. That Mama Bar is different is also reflected by the remarkable film that Patrit is playing on the window of his bar. So the other thing that I was find very curious, and it's, there's nothing playing at the moment, um, but when I arrived here, um, there was a film playing which totally fascinated me, and I had no idea what's going on there, you know? It's just like this, this scene, and it seems so unfamiliar to me, you know, coming from a different place. Maybe you can talk a little bit about where you come from and actually where that movie actually all plays in. What is that thing that we watched? 
Yeah, that that was the the video that was from the celebration of my circumcision when I when I when I got the circumcised when I was a child, and then I come from Kosovo, and there you celebrate that. It's kind of uh, like a party, like a wedding, or like so. It takes like it used to take two or three days of celebration, and that day that's the woman's day when the woman. Uh, had their day and they used to dance all day for hours long and hours long in one room with the live music and was very very interesting then uh, after so many years when I was looking at the video I got really inspired I found it really interesting so I decided to play to play that uh, that video and of the celebration which are are different uh, People, women are dancing all the time. And you didn't thought it was weird to show a video of your the, your circumcision party in a bar? No, because there is no circumcision there playing there directly. So you only see the dance. So it's kind of this folklore, this ritual. I liked it and it's also visually, it's, I think it's it's nice. So And also, as a, the same with the music, so we don't want to, to do to do things which, which look usual or which are usual. What do you hope um, to achieve in the atmosphere with the bar? You have the music, you have the, the art, you have the video playing. What do you hope that people feel when they get into this place? I want people to be happy. I, th I think I'm searching for happiness. Do you, do you think you own a, a Berlin bar? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I don't know why, but I think so. People of the world who are still listening to all of this madness. We have come from far, but it is time for the final stage of my journey and to experience Berlin's most famous trait of all, its electronic music spectacle. It's around 3.30 a.m., way past my ordinary sleepy go-bye-bye time when I'm trotting down the Sonnenallee. I'm invited by my friend to visit the notable Griesmühle, a club in a former semolina mill. But the weather is still quite dreary and I'm surprised to find that so many people are standing in the line outside. Now, I personally believe there's very few things in life worth standing in line for and I have to repress the urge to just call it quits and head home to my bed. But this is for the greater good. This is for you guys. Remember this. As the bouncer draws nearer, I increasingly get more anxious, which is weird because getting rejected will actually relieve me from my nightly podcasting duties. It's an almost high school-like insecurity, being judged on the basis of your outfit or the way you do, the way you're smoking a cigarette. And right in front of me is a group of four that is being sent away. They're maybe too young or they're maybe too touristy. I don't really know. I'm also suddenly aware of the massive amount of recording equipment I've got with me. And as the bouncer finally comes to check my bag, he gives me a questioning look. 
I tell him I've been up all night interviewing people about collecting bottles on the street. Hey guys, remember that episode? This is just the end of my working day. I've been up all night. I just wanted to blow off some steam. Have some greasy tunes to nudge me right back into place. Now he nods, stamps my wrist and waves me through. Mission accomplished. Now, to be honest, I have not recorded much in the club itself. Of course, apart from the music that you're hearing. Now, anyone who's ever been to one of Berlin's finer club temples knows it's hardly the place to disturb people with a bunch of microphones. Though that which followed was a genuinely great night of dancing, which to be honest, had actually been quite a while ago. for about two to three hours I met with my friend who introduced me to the rest of the pack and together we twirled around the misty dark factory hall in search of well I guess that bit of freedom that Kai so vehemently promised us some found this freedom in the music others in mind-altering substances and yet others simply in the company of their friends what's for certain is that my adventure would not have been complete without this world so radically opposite from the time of day a time in which we nightly heroes are emboldened to reach for that great promise of freedom. But this too came to pass. And at around six o'clock in the morning, I found myself yet again on the U-Bahn. However, I wasn't going home just yet. I had one last stop to make. My friend Catherine invited me to end the all-nighter at her place. And at the dawn of a brand new day, I came to meet a brand new Berliner. This is Beijing Grant Cho, who frequently pulls all-nighters 24 hours. He is one month old as of the beginning of this week. He was born on September 25th. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's hard to imagine that being here is actually quite surreal after our entire nightly adventure. And I look around, quietly wonder what remains of the promise. 
feel like everything is already slowly starting to drift into a vague and misty memory. So, I mean, this idea, it, it's 5.30 now, yeah. but it's actually 6.30. Yeah, I lost yeah, an hour due to the daylight savings time. Um, uh, so, does this feel like nighttime or morning time at this moment? For me, it feels like morning time, actually. That is crazy. <laughs> that is it crazy. It doesn't feel like morning time to me. <laughs> it is still dark outside. I still feel tired under my eyes, like for Song Lang, because he's more of a morning person, maybe. But for me, it's no, it's still in the middle of the night. <laughs> and to just go back to this idea of, uh, of, of, of time and uh, the twilight zone mm -hmm. from what you've experienced so far in this month. Um, m m well, the kid be uh, become a, a little night crawler. You think when he, he grows up, <laughs> he already is on his way. You have these like really beautiful moments, like right in the middle of the night after he's nursed it and cried it for like an hour or something, where he just looks at you and he's super awake and he has these big eyes and you think like, okay, I could stay up all night with you. Like if you're gonna look at me like that and be cute and make these cooing sounds and yeah, we can stay up all night together. That's well, I'm, I know what I'm planning for. I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to go try and not fall asleep on the bus. <laughs> and then eventually I'm going to go in a very deep slumber. I call a cab instead and before long I arrive on the fourth floor of my Berlin apartment where I finally have the freedom to fall in a very, very deep slumber. From Berlin, Germany, this was a 4000 Hertz production. Berlinology is presented by a walrus. Music for this episode was mostly recorded on the night itself with additional music by Mark Schilders and Svetnik. I want to thank Kai, Manus, Jesse, Ryan, Catherine, Jonathan, Becky, Oliver, Tom, John, Jeffrey, Michla and Petrit and all the others that I met throughout the night for helping this sleepy beast make it through the night. You guys were absolutely incredible. Now there's also a list of all the places we visited throughout tonight, so make sure you check out the show notes. People of the world, wherever you are, I hope you enjoyed our endeavors. And if so, do the right thing. Give me a thumbs up on whatever platform you can find. That makes this man a thankful man. And with that, he wishes you a lavish exploration of the insights of your eyes. Good night. Yeah, that's one of those places I'm talking about. I mean, they are doing a job that I don't want to do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they are a traditional place. They are parts of the spirit of the city. This is why I always respect it and I always love it. You know, I have become quite an early bird, but if I pass by there and see people beat each other up at six in the morning, at nine in the morning, because they're completely hammered, I think, yeah, well, that's the city. That's it. 
you know, I would miss it if it won't be like that. I'm not the kind of person that's like, yeah, there has to be order in the city. Forget about it. That's it. That's Berlin. A 4000 Hertz production.